1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek. I'm just one of your hosts, Dan Gunther. With me, as always, is Bruce Gibson. And I'm just the other host. <laughs> I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm excited because we're Positively Trek, right? I mean, that name just kind of signals a little bit about what we're what we're about and that sort of thing. And last week, we had to... Relay some bad news, some some sad news. That was that that was tough. I didn't enjoy that. I don't like giving bad news, but we get to mitigate at least some of that this week with one of our big news items. We're going to talk about, which is of course some great news for some international fans. Not everybody, but you know it's a start uh, with regards to Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we also have some interesting news from Michelle Hurd of Star Trek Picard, letting some tidbits out there that we're going to talk about. And then after the news, of course, we are going to be talking about season four, episode two of Star Trek Discovery, the episode Anomaly. So I, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a fun episode.
0: Good. I'm glad we'll have a fun episode because you, like you said, we're all about positivity and we do have some positive news and I'm I'm so glad that we can actually discuss this.
1: Yeah, this made me happy to see and made a lot of international fans happy. So, of course, uh, last week we had to report on the unfortunate timing of Star Trek leaving Netflix and basically these deals seeming to fall apart while well, the Paramount Plus rollout for a lot of those international markets wasn't going to be until sometime next year some people were saying March and like it was going to be a long time off but this week Paramount Plus apparently has been working hard in the background to kind of get some deals going and and do some of their releases on their platforms in markets that already have Paramount Plus uh, in order to get a bunch of people in the international markets in some of the markets, I should say to be able to see Star Trek discovery much sooner than they initially anticipated. So as we're recording this, it's November 27th and yesterday, a lot of these international viewers got to see season four of discovery, the first two episodes for the first time in a lot of the markets where Paramount Plus has already been launched. It's been released on there. And then in other markets, it's been released on Pluto TV. And it's available for purchase uh, from some services in other areas as well. So uh, that's pretty great news and and definitely happy for those fans.
0: I am too. I actually am surprised. I didn't think they would do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just because, you know, it's a big corporation and, there's certain things that they can do or focus on and other things, whatever. And I just, you know, the fan outcry and from the actors and I'm sure with others associated with the show, we're like, you know, this is really important and we've been out there talking that it's coming and we need to get it out there. It's not that Viacom CBS doesn't care, but, you know, it's also made up of individuals. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure there's so many, and this is bigger and beyond just Star Trek, but there's lawyers and... You know, people from different departments working on different things and whatever, and they strike a deal and they don't strike a deal or whatever is going on. This just gets caught up into it, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, we didn't reach a deal with Netflix. Okay, so we got to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, uh, hey, guys, there's a lot of fans out there that were really pissing off. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, we got to rectify this. And they're probably like, oh, they didn't really think of it. They're just looking at paper. Right? yeah, You know, it's like absolutely. I worked for a guy years ago that said, you got to be one of these people that looks beyond the page. He used to always say, look beyond the page. People get so caught up in looking at their spreadsheets and contracts, and, but they don't look beyond it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You know, they had to look beyond it. And they did. So now it's fixed. Yeah. Somewhat.
1: Somewhat. Yeah. No, it's really good. And Larry Nemichek made a really great point when uh, on one of our posts in the group and somebody was saying, like, after this deal had come out, after, you know, some of this had been rectified, somebody had been asking, like, why would they do this? Like, they didn't care because they let it happen in the first place. And Larry Nemichek made a very good point, saying there's no monolithic they. It's not just, like, one big entity that is making these decisions. Like you say, it's made up of people, there's lots of moving parts, and... I love your idea of looking at spreadsheets and just looking at numbers and not really realizing what that means and realizing those numbers represent people and fans who want their Star Trek, right? And (laughs) it's very true, you know, hell hath no fury like a Trekkie scorned. So, you know, people made their voices heard and it's gotten results, so... That's pretty excellent.
0: And that's huge too, because this goes back to the early days in the sixties of saving Star (laughs) Trek, right? Yeah. We're still doing it today. We have enough of a voice. There's enough of us out there that can make change happen when it comes to this franchise. So, I mean, that's big. We're not some small niche that doesn't have a voice they heard. So that's saying a lot.
1: Yeah, definitely. So just uh, for the record, This is where Star Trek Discovery is currently available. Right now, Paramount Plus is available in Latin America, the Nordic countries, and Australia. And everybody in those regions can see Star Trek Discovery on Paramount Plus. Pluto TV is showing Star Trek Discovery in Austria, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Switzerland, and the UK. And as it says in this article that I have from Trek Movie, it's also available for purchase in select countries. Uh, and that's the UK, Germany, France, Russia, and South Korea, and additional select countries, not sure which ones those are, but uh, they'll be available for purchase on participating digital platforms uh, starting on this last Friday, November the twenty sixth. So not sure what those digital platforms are exactly. I would guess maybe iTunes and and similar. i'm I'm not Amazon sure or Amazon. Something. Yeah. yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Some of those things.
0: The thing to really remember, though, if any of you are watching it through Pluto TV, it is a live stream. It's not mm-hmm. like you can come out anytime and it's on demand. At least it's not mentioned in this article that would be available on demand. Pluto TV is known for its live streaming, but they do have some on demand titles. But I've seen on Pluto TV here in the States, Discovery, Lower Decks, what, you know, some of the new shows occasionally pop up on this one of the streaming channels. So, yeah, you have to plan like the old days. You can't set your DVR. you got to be home to watch it when it airs.
1: Definitely. Yeah, and it does say here new episodes will drop at 9 p.m. local time on the Pluto TV Sci-Fi Channel each Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a simulcast running on the Star Trek Channel in Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. So, yeah, boy, hearkening back to the old days of appointment television. So, you know, it's free, but... You have to be there to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know there's some people who are like, oh, I have to work that night or something. And they can't watch it. And, you know, there's not always a perfect solution.
1: Yeah. But still great news and, and very excited. I've been seeing people comment online how happy they are and uh, some frustration from people who still don't get it where they happen to be so my heart goes out to them for sure uh we're still with you on that so you know not a perfect solution but very very good and, and apparently a lot of work has been done in a very short amount of time to make this happen so kudos to the people behind that yes
0: but the good news is one day you will see it so yes. it's not
1: like a never so that's <laughs> the positive part of it Absolutely. Well, one other little piece of news that I want to talk about, and this is a recent interview with Michelle Hurd, who of course plays Rafi Musiker in Star Trek Picard, talking about Rafi's challenges in the upcoming season, as well as, and, and the main reason I wanted to feature this is we have confirmation for sure, Whoopi Goldberg is back in season two as Guinan. Now, there had been some question of this because the last official thing we had was Patrick Stewart inviting her to come on the show, on The View, to come on season two of Picard. And since then, we've had her saying she hopes she's going to be on the show. And then Alex Kurtzman was asked directly and he just kind of smiled and said like, oh, we'll see. Or some some kind of cagey answer. It's been really weird. But Michelle Hurd directly says that she's uh, really enjoyed working with Whoopi Goldberg in season two. So there we go. I don't know if she was allowed to say it, but she said it and we know for sure Guinan is in season two. And what's funny to me is that Michelle Hurd said this through cameo through
0: a cameo video to someone, just like John Delancey, let's those secrets out. So I'm starting to think that anytime I want to know something, I'm going to pay for a cameo <laughs> and I'm going to ask the questions Are you, is Whoopi Goldberg going to be in or can you tell me anything? <laughs> because they seem to want to tell everything on cameo as if it's not going to get out there. I don't even understand why it needs to be a secret, especially like you said, Patrick Stewart invited
1: Whoopi there on The View and she said yes.
0: Why is it a secret? It's It's not. I don't get
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was already pretty sure she was going to be on because of all of that. So it's weird that it's been so cagey since then about whether she'd be on or not. So... Uh, It's nice to have a bit of confirmation, just, you know, to set my mind at ease, I guess. But yeah, it's very strange, the whole will she, won't she thing since then. It was kind of weird. I'd love to work at one of these outlets
0: just to find out how do you decide what you're going to announce and not announce, especially when it's already out there and you're Mm -hmm. saying and you're being dodgy on it. Why why are we doing this? Like, I really want to know why that is.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious about that as well. But anyway, like I say, yeah, just happy to get that little bit of peace of mind. So I'm looking forward to seeing the cast of Picard in season two, along with Whoopi Goldberg in some form during the season. So, oh, one last thing I want to bring up before we go. And I, I forgot to mention this last week. We had been kind of talking a little bit about the center seat, the documentary on the History Channel, all about Star Trek. And for viewers in Canada, it is indeed available on the Crave streaming app as well. Episode two just dropped, uh, on the same night as the most recent episode of episode two of discovery. And, uh, I've since watched episode one, I haven't had a chance to watch episode two yet, but, uh, yeah, it's on Crave. It's also airing on CTV sci-fi. And, uh, boy, that first episode was very, very good. And I was hoping to have been able to watch episode two by now, but I didn't get a chance. But yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, check it out if you have it. It's very interesting documentary so far. Great. So I was wondering if you liked it. So obviously you did.
0: So Mm -hmm. that, that's cool. I, I saw the fourth episode last night. So nice. So far they've released four where I am. And Mm -hmm. so as we talked You know, it's like the start of Star Trek is episode one. Episode two is the animated series. Episode three is about the 70s, about what are we going to do with Star Trek and all the different phases, like phase two and all this leading up through the motion picture. And then the fourth episode was about the wrath of Khan and the search for Spock and the voyage home. And Mm. then it ends with, then they decided to
1: create a TV series called The Next Generation, and it ends at that point. Interesting. All right, I'm excited. So I'm really excited to see that animated series episode. So i I've said when I didn't get a chance to, but uh, hopefully this weekend I can get a look at it for sure. <laughs> yes, please do. And I want to know what you think. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, we're going to take a really quick break here. But when we come back, we'll be discussing Star Trek Discovery's newest episode, Anomaly. Thank you for listening to Positively Trek. And we want to give a shout out to our patrons on Patreon, including
0: Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. We want to thank you for your contributions to the podcast. Now, if you would like to be a patron on Patreon... You can join us at Patreon.com/PositivelyTrek, where you get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, and associate producer credits. So thank you again for listening, and now let's fly. Did you get taller? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, oh, okay. I did. I don't know if Kelpians grow later in life, or but you, just, you do. You seem taller. Do I? Yeah. Well, maybe you just like have a little more swagger going on or something. It's a
1: compliment. Then I thank you. Star Trek Discovery. We're two episodes into the fourth season and we've gotten a good look at the big bad for the season. Anomaly. Now, last week's episode ended with that kind of gut punch of the loss of Book's homeworld, Quajon. And we kind of join up with right after that in this episode with the kind of trauma that books going through and that sort of thing. And, you know, I got to say, I was a little worried about where the season was going to go with, you know, that big event happening and that sort of thing. But I'm really interested in the exploration they're doing of grief and trauma and, especially with book's character here. It was really interesting look at some of those subjects that I think Star Trek hasn't done a lot with over the years. So I, I I don't know. It was really interesting. What were your kind of initial thoughts on this? I didn't take a lot of notes, but I did write obsessing with loss
0: was Mm. the theme that I got from this episode from book to Burnham to Tilly. We'll kind of talk about those things as we go along, but Yeah, I think that's kind of the theme of this season or especially just this episode. But we're going into that whole thing about dealing with loss. I mean, this crew has been removed from a time that they used to exist in and they've adjusted. But there's still that feeling of loss. You know, you're still in a strange place. And the people you used to know outside of those that you serve with on the ship are no longer there. They've long been dead. And so now what we're seeing what's happening here in the galaxy And what's happened with Books Planet, again, somebody experiencing a loss. And honestly, I was starting to really worry about Book because Mm -hmm. typically I'd watch this and say, oh, yeah, he'll be fine. But remember last week, we were talking about something and I was like, what if they are going to kill off Book? And I thought when I was watching this episode, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this might be it in the second episode but we're okay, everyone. He's fine. But I really was starting to worry.
1: Well, let's, yeah, let's explore that a little bit because that, that's interesting that you said that because there were a couple moments in this episode where I really felt like book had a bit of a death wish and a bit of a, you know, kind of desire to end it all. So we're going to jump all over this episode with spoilers and stuff. So towards the end of the episode or, or, kind of the main thrust of this episode book is piloting his ship into this anomaly that's at the center of all of this. And Stamets is along with him, but it's not actually Stamets. He's being projected as a hologram into the ship. And when book says like, you know, I'm alone. You're not even really here. Go back, take, take your scan data back to the ship. And, and I th- I thought he was going to like just crash his ship in this anomaly at that point. And then it's only because Stamets says, well, I can't transmit the scan data. We don't have a connection to discovery. All the data is here and you know, there's nothing else I can do. That's when Book, I think, decided he had to keep living at that moment. And I was just like, wow, it it just felt like he was really willing to give it all up there.
0: I felt so too, but I didn't necessarily think that he was wanting to commit suicide let's go ahead and crash the ship i just felt that he was like you know what if i get out of this great if i don't oh well you know
1: just cavalier about it yeah
0: yeah yeah like i will just i'll take that risk you know if i don't make it out whatever like it's just yeah cavalier doesn't Mm. really care that's how i took it and that also means that it would feel that he really wouldn't try
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah, if he could get the data back to them remotely and then just be like, okay, well, if I can ride this out, fine. If not, I mean, whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. He wasn't even gonna try. And that's why Burnham's later like, you know, listen to me. Listen to my voice. You know, it's like, you we're still with you. And she's like showing him that he has value. There is value there. You need to try. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't just do it. Don't just not do it or somewhat attempt to do it without really trying. You've got to try. You've got to make it work.
1: Yeah. That's a perfect observation. And um I, I guess I, I should maybe say a trigger warning for discussions of of suicide and things like that. Because that really in my mind put me in in the thought of and and I've had like a a, a therapist say this to me that a lot of people when they're at the end of their rope or they've suffered a great trauma or something like that, they don't maybe necessarily actively want to commit suicide, but they're much more open to having something happen to them.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: You know, where, where it kind of takes the responsibility off their shoulders where like, well, then maybe they'll just walk out into traffic without really looking very hard and, you know, and that sort of thing. And not, not really, actively trying to kill themselves, but at the same time, putting themselves in situations where that is much more likely to happen than it would otherwise. And I I really got that impression here. I don't know if that's what the writers were going for, but it really felt like that's where book was at that point in the episode. Yeah. And it just reminded me of something I mean, I, I've never thought of
0: suicide. I've never been in that situation. So I, I don't know. I can't relate. But the thing I this did remind me of is I remember way back in the day before you know I, I met my wife, I went through a relationship that ended and I was really hurt and bothered by it. And I kind of had almost this attitude of, you know, I don't care anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. and someone came up to me and said a friend of mine said let's go skydiving and i mean it's something i would always want to try but at the same time i remember thinking like i don't know do i want to do that do i risk it but i was just like sure you -hmm. know what and i remember when i was getting ready to jump out of the plane the guy's about to yell at me because it was a static line i wasn't jumping out with someone i'm going out by myself and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to just fall out of a perfectly good plane out into nothingness. <laughs> oh. And I thought I could die. And I remember at the moment thinking, I'm okay with that right now. Wow. Yeah. You know, of course I didn't die. I actually landed on my feet, which I was proud of. <laughs> but I, I guess I kind of, now that we're talking about it, kind of relate to that moment of that feeling of, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really care right now.
1: Yeah. Wow. That That's amazing. And just as as an aside... I've kind of always wanted to go skydiving and I had no idea that you'd been skydiving and that, that's amazing. I want to talk to you about that sometime. But uh, yes, yeah, I never went back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to be fair, I probably never will try it, but it's I don't I don't know, it's always anyway, amazing. And way to go landing on your feet. That's great. <laughs> I was the I was, I was in a class of 16, I was the only one who landed on his feet. Oh, wow. There you go. I feel like there's a great metaphor in there. <laughs> landing on your feet. There's a whole nother story to this, just so you know, real quick. I, I was
0: dating someone now at this time, but I wasn't serious with her. And I, I kind of also went to this to avoid seeing her that weekend because I really wasn't that into her. But <laughs> no. she invited herself. And so she jumped
1: and broke her leg.
0: Oh, no. Oh. I'm and sorry. that creates a whole nother story for another
1: time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well. Wow. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of, of Bruce's youth. This sounds <laughs> sounds amazing. So yeah, uh, Stamets and Book, that was an interesting pairing. You know, the, the whole trauma that Book has experienced. And we, we kind of get a bit of exploration of what Stamets went through at the end of last season, too, when he was forced off the ship and couldn't be there, as he says, for his family. And Book was the one who saved his family by jumping the ship that was an interesting perspective and i'd I'd kind of forgotten about what stamets went through because we haven't had a a mention of it in last week's episode but there's still uh there's still a little bit of animosity there with with stamets and what he went through and he kind of makes an offhand comment to Burnham at one point like oh you're gonna have to force me out an airlock Oh, sorry. Or <laughs> something like that. That was Bad timing. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there's some real hurt there still. And using that to kind of connect with Book, I thought that was interesting. Because, yeah, we haven't seen Stamets and Book together, really. And now they share this whole thing about being able to control the spore drive and all of that. That was, that was a fascinating pairing that I hadn't really given much thought to before.
0: No. And we've heard both actors say that they enjoyed working with each other this season because they hadn't been before. So we knew we were going to get some kind of scene between the two. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really expecting this because I was expecting going into the season that maybe we'd have this kind of conversation between Stamets and Burnham, you know, that they need to work things out of what happened at the end of season three. Mm -hmm. And we haven't quite gotten that. And it almost feels like, Things might be okay between them. And then if anything, if I expected Stamets and Book to have an issue, it's what Book thought. It's because the jealousy of, well, now it's just not you, Stamets, that can work the spore drive. I can too, and you have a problem with that. I did not expect him to say, no, I don't have an issue with that. That hasn't mm-hmm. been my issue. I didn't see this coming, A thing about you know Book saving his family when he couldn't. I wasn't expecting that. So that was a nice little surprise for me.
1: Yeah. I kind of like when they do that when they challenge our expectations or our preconceptions and turn things on their ear a little bit and things don't go as expected. And I think that really came through in this and how Stamets is reacting and and how nurturing that guy can be when he needs to be. Awkward, yes, and maybe not, you know, really used to being in that role of someone giving comfort, but you know, when the chips are down, he he can be there for another person. And I thought that was really cool.
0: I also thought it was cool because the way Book is acting towards Stamets is distant and cold mm-hmm. and for the reasons we've discussed earlier. But I thought Stamets is getting a taste of his own medicine mm-hmm. because that's a lot how Stamets has been in the earlier seasons. It's like, just be quiet. Let me do my job you know and i thought he's getting a taste of his own medicine here and i
1: kind of enjoyed that too
0: yeah that's funny
1: and (laughs) in a similar vein we get the word stamets as a verb in this episode when tilly says she's totally stametsing right now (laughs) (laughs) i love that that was the best line of the whole episode that was really good yeah So yeah, let's talk with Tilly a little bit. We're kind of, I had a a bit of a discussion outline written out here and we, our first two topics are like right smack in the middle. So we're not going in order at all, but that's okay because I think we're tackling the, the, the tough topics first. Tilly, something's going on with her and she's obviously experiencing some stress and some Uh, difficulty coping with situations and that sort of thing. She's snapping at Adira for one thing. She gets this great scene with Culber towards the end where she admits she's having a problem and wants to talk to him in a professional setting as, as a counselor and that sort of thing. I thought this scene was one of the most important scenes I've ever seen in discovery with the whole somebody recognizing that something's going wrong with them and asking for help very much in the same vein as Kayla Detmer last season we saw, but I think there's a different issue with Tilly this season. And just with this whole, I'm just going to say it with a whole last year and a half year and a half plus of people being in various states of lockdown and, dealing with the coronavirus and the stress of that. A lot of what's going on in this episode with Tilly, I see in the faces of people around me, friends and family and myself from time to time as well, where something's bothering you and you don't know exactly what it is and you're stressed and you're at your wits end. And so many of us could really learn that lesson of asking for help and, seeking it out and, and doing something about it rather than just like dismissing your own feelings. Oh, I'm just being silly. I'm being ridiculous. Snap out of it. You know, that sort of thing, which like I said, I find myself doing. And uh, I I love this scene because I feel like a lot of people need that example. And it was perfect.
0: I agree. It's just, and it really hit me the second time I watched the episode more so than the first time because I did feel that this was a call out to what we've been going through in this world, whether it's COVID, COVID especially, Mm -hmm. and then other things, you know, it's like things are changing in the world and things always change in the world. But it just seems like so many things are offset by so much. It's like Tilly says, something's off or I'm off. And that's how I feel. You know, I feel like this, like things in the world right, right now just seem off. Mm -hmm. And then it's not that I think that I'm off, but then there's times I do feel like because my perception of the world seems off that I feel off. And I know a psychiatrist that said that they're so busy right now because of COVID that a lot of Mm -hmm. people don't know how to cope with all these things that have been happening. And. I mean, I found myself. I, I hate this. I don't want to get too personal. I keep feeling like I'm doing that today. But that's how discovery is, right? It's all personal. But Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I felt this way, not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Something that happened, a minor thing at home, happened, and it just broke me. And I, I I was like, and I was just, it was like the weight of everything, all of a sudden, just burst. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, "It's not because of this thing." This small thing of happening, it's just because how I'm just feeling overall. And I didn't realize it because I always rationalize everything, you know? And I'm sure Tilly does that too. She rationalizes, you know, we're here for the good of, you know, the mission. We've done this to save people. We're, you know, and yet there we see a whole planet get destroyed. It's not the first time she's seen lives lost in a planet or a space station or whatever, but I think she's held it in for so long that the dam is about to break, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is that, this is what's breaking the dam
1: is just this latest event that has happened. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us are feeling that. So yeah, this, this is definitely the, the, we're getting our personal feelings out in this episode. I, I, I think that's a good thing. So yeah, Tilly, I'm, I'm curious to see, how her story goes this season and where it goes from here and lots, lots of stuff with her. So to be continued with her for sure. Yeah. But we also got clarific a little
0: clarification about what we heard at Star Trek day about Colbert being a counselor, mm-hmm. you know, because we've never really heard him referred to that way. And it's not like he's referred to as the new counselor of the ship. It's just, that's one of his specialties. And we're now discovering, Oh, that's another thing that he can contribute to. He's still the medical doctor, but this is another, Part of his job that he has training in and education in that he can help support.
1: Mm-hmm. I also loved him in that role on the bridge when they're communicating with Book, and he's on the bridge to kind of monitor how he sounds. As far as his mental state goes, even though it ends up kind of not being that helpful where Burnham's like, how does he sound to you? And Culber's like, nah, I don't know. Could be stress. Could be. It's, it's hard to tell, you know. I love Culber. Uh, he's so great. <laughs> he's so good. I love I- this nurturing role that he's in now. That, that counselor role it just so fits. Like his, his soft voice. He would just be the perfect counselor. He'd be so calming. I still want a Cobra series. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I
0: mean, he's just becoming more and more one of my favorite characters on this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. ah, So good, for sure. In a lot of ways, if someone were to ask me now, who's my favorite medical officer in all of Star Trek, I'd probably say Cobra right now.
1: Hmm, He'd have a hard time keep competing with T'Anna for me. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're both up there. Uh, yeah, the, the characters on this show... And we kind of said that in an earlier episode too, where we were talking about, I think, one of the trailers for season four, where Discovery is kind of built around these big action-y things, but the show itself really is about these characters, you know, which is again, why I wasn't too concerned about the big anomaly being a universe ending thing again, blah, blah, blah because the show really is about the characters and how they're dealing with things and how they cope and how they make their way through whatever's going on and the journey that those characters are, are on. And for one of the characters, his journey has led him back to discovery and we get Saru returning to discovery leaving Kaminar, still connected to Kaminar, but returning to Starfleet because he feels that's where he's needed now. And he was apparently offered command of the USS Sojourner, but he would rather pull a Riker and remain on Discovery and be Burnham's first officer, which I thought that was great where he's talking about how at one point he sought Burnham's counsel as his number one and is hoping that he can return the favor now and and be what she needs in this moment. And I thought that was a terrific turn for his character. I really like that.
0: He has realized how important family is, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. why he's left his home planet to go back to Starfleet. And it wasn't because he wants the center seat again. That's not important. He's had the chance. He he's done it before. That's not what's important. It's not how many pips you have. It doesn't matter what your title is. It's just a matter of being with those that you love. And that's his family. He wants to be with them. And and that's why he would turn down the command of another starship. And then I was so concerned about Reese because like I predicted last week that he might be the first officer and that's been taken away from him. But it made me realize the fact that Saru says, I want to be your number one, says she never officially filled that position that they have been probably operating under a temporary first officer. Bryce takes a turn, Reese takes a turn, you know, whatever it is. Because I started to wonder if Burnham knew that Saru might return. Hmm. And she wanted to leave that slot open. And so we give everybody a turn because one day Saru might want to come back. And it's not like they're going to wait years. They waited some months. And then he's offered the command of a starship. And she's probably like, okay. Well, Saru's going to move on to that. Then we can probably go ahead and permanently fill that first officer position. But no, he's like, I want it because he knows it's mm-hmm. available. He's not going to go in there and go. I, I feel really bad for Reese, but you got to knock him down and give me a shot, <laughs> give me that position. So anyway, that that was the thing I was thinking at that s- during that scene.
1: I've got to say now I've got Blondie in my head.
0: I'm going to be your number one. <laughs> That's right. We should play that. We should make a YouTube video of that scene with that song playing.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah, a little Star Trek music video. You know, like the the Star Trek Las Vegas, they have the Star Trek music video competition. We should do one of Saru with, with that song. The tide is high. Yeah, that would be good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the tide is high, and we show... Tilly doing that wave thing in this episode with her hands. <laughs> oh, there you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Burnham with the the programmable matter wave, telling Book when to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That would be great. So Saru seems taller to Tilly. Apparently, <laughs> I, that was another fun little scene. I loved that scene.
0: Yeah, and I was like, Is she, it's just because she hasn't seen him in a while, or did he get taller? Just more confident, <laughs> right? He's, or... he's got he's got a swagger. Did she, is that what she said? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like Swagger that. to him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Saru's growing. So, not literally growing in height,
1: but just growing as a person. Yeah. I love that awkwardness. Well, I just, I didn't know. Maybe Kelpians grow later in life. La- I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> yes. Well, another uh, character pairing that I want to talk about is Adira and Gray. We get a little bit more movement on Gray's incorporation which, uh, my wife and I had to laugh about because we've been looking into, uh, various legal things about stuff and, and incorporation is something that comes up a lot about like forming a business, for example. So it's like, oh, Gray's, Gray's starting a business. He's, uh, he's gonna incorporate. That's cool. (laughs) Gray Tall LLC. Yeah, no, I like that. (laughs) Hello, this is Gray Incorporated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, no, what, what he's referring to is getting a body because right now he's some sort of disembodied consciousness or something like that. And without a body, you know, Adira is the only person who can currently see him. So this body that's being created using 800 year old technology. Something we've seen before, uh, a practice, uh, the zoom technique, I think they called it. That was great. I loved that little bit of tie-in. The consciousness had been transferred before. Some admiral named Picard, I think, something like that. That was fun. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I just thought about how we watch stuff in the 24th century and everybody knows who Kirk is. Now here in the 32nd century, some may somebody, Picard? Something? <laughs> like, I guess he didn't go down in history. But of course, it's been a longer, longer period of time, too.
1: And also, my thought was, too, they didn't live in... like I, I wonder about like a native person of the 32nd century. Maybe they had heard of Picard, but of course, right. the Discovery crew comes from before him. So, I thought that was a neat little twist.
0: Yeah, they didn't grow, go through school taking history classes and have heard all about Picard. They didn't yeah. go through Starfleet Academy learning about all these great Admirals and captains of the past that they leapfrog over, yeah. But yeah, I love that tie-in. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I'm just ready for Gray to be incorporated. Really, (laughs) I'm tired of Gray (laughs) just like only being seen by Adira. It's like, yeah, let's do this. So I'm hoping in the next episode this happens.
1: Speaking of Adira as well, I loved their part in this episode where, first of all, they're snapped at by Tilly, but the just pure look of joy on their face when tilly affirms them and and because as somebody tells tilly you know Adira's just trying to impress you like that's all they're trying to do <laughs> and when yeah. tilly says oh great work adira and, and adira is just like oh wow <laughs> that was so sweet i love that
0: yeah i i thought that was sweet too i like the dynamic between adira and tilly these last mm-hmm. two episodes that's been really good and then i also like how towards the end we see Adira dealing with loss and not that they're losing someone, but again, this change of gray is going to incorporate into this body. And based on the recent events that happened on the station and the planet of seeing loss and just what happened in this recent episode, Adira has a sadness of loss because they're reminded of what happened to gray before. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: having lost someone but gaining that person back still you experience those deja vus of loss that you have to deal with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Adira is going to be relying on, on Stamets and Culber a lot because you know, what they went through is very similar, I think. So yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how that evolves over the season as well. And the fact that, that Adira and Gray they're so awkward as well. I love that. Like, you know, they're both kids, comparatively speaking. So that's fun to see that it's not all just everybody's perfect and awesome all the time. There's some awkwardness there. I like that.
0: I wonder what Gray's role will be once incorporated. You know, what hmm. will he be doing on the ship, you know, if, if anything? I'm Yeah, you know, just curious to see how they, where they go with the character.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm curious as well, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot to love in this episode. We talked a bit about Saru already, but I loved those moments. I just want to call out those moments where Burnham is on the bridge dealing with a dilemma and Saru's kind of calming voice comes in and Saru's advice to Burnham, I think, was really well-timed and... The fact that he has that experience as captain of this ship and these people really came into play a few times. And those those moments where, yeah, he's just, you know, quietly tells Burnham, like, maybe this is the time that you should talk to Book, not as a captain, but as... A partner and you know like those moments of of advice that saru has shows why he's perfect to be first officer right now here
0: and when he's in the turbo lift with tilly putting his hand
1: on her back yes so i actually went like oh at that moment (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i guess we should talk about the big anomaly This season, because this is where we we get our first kind of real look at exactly what this is that's threatening the, the galaxy. And apparently it's like two black holes that are combining into one and reacting off one another and creating all these gravitational lensing waves and stuff. What did you think of like the explanation of, of this anomaly and and the, the initial hypothesis that actually doesn't maybe seem to be right because it's so unpredictable after all.
0: Yeah. I kind of bought into it. I mean, the whole idea of black holes kind of merging together, or hitting each other or whatever, they're dancing around with each other (laughs) causing all this destruction going on. And then the idea that it's moving on its own, like it's, choosing its own paths. Like it has some kind of consciousness to it that we mm-hmm. develop later is interesting to me because that tells me that it's maybe something artificial or something that someone is controlling or so, I I don't know, but I was a little confused because they're saying about it destroying planets and it didn't really affect the space station that much because of the distance and, and then it sounds like they know the path it's going, but then they don't know the path it's going. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I was a, I was a little confused of them being surprised that it could alter its path. And I thought, well, that's why I thought you were trying to determine is its path. If you already knew the answer, you wouldn't be questioning why the path has changed.
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I think it it was the change that that surprised them, right? Because they were analyzing it to see like which direction it's going and how it's growing, but. If it suddenly changes the direction, then, oh, that's unpredictable because it's not following a a path or something like that. So I would love to sit down and talk with Aaron McDonald, Dr. Aaron McDonald, who's the, the science advisor for Discovery, because it sounds like her background, which I think if I remember correctly is in astrophysics and that sort of thing is really like, they're really using her a lot this season because a lot of the terms and stuff, especially that we got like last episode, gravitational lensing and, and all of this stuff, like they're very real terms. And I'd love to just talk with her about this anomaly and, and maybe after the season's over or something, maybe an interview with her somewhere talking about how this all came about because I find this stuff really fascinating.
0: Yeah. I've heard a lot of people mention her name after this episode. Mm -hmm. So I guess her fingerprints are all over this. So yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with this. The one line that I didn't like Burnham says something about this being one of the biggest threats that our galaxy has ever seen. And I was just like, well, (laughs) maybe that's true, but (laughs) I'm so tired of everything being a galactic threat, you know? And it's like, I wish it would just, that line would have been said that this is just a threat. This is some big threat, but not, a you know, the biggest, the galaxy has ever seen. Let's like bring that down a little.
1: Yeah. That's something I feel like star Trek's been guilty of a lot. And, and, and yeah, the biggest something that we've ever seen, blah, blah, that the whole like amplifying of things just as an example. And I love Deep Space Nine. I think if, you know, you were to force me to give an answer, it'd be the one that I'd return to most and, and love the most. But those last like nine episodes of season seven, that kind of final arc, you should watch that sometime and listen to how many times characters say once and for all. it drives me nuts (laughs) we're going to end the dominion threat once and for all the dominion is going to conquer the alpha quadrant once and for all and i'm like oh my god (laughs) stop 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 (laughs) if you
0: ever became a book author for star trek i'd want you to work that line into every book somehow
1: (laughs) oh absolutely yeah no i can't back down from that challenge now (laughs) yeah But yeah, so our final shot of this episode is this pullback and we see the true like scope of this thing and you know, five light years across is, is what they say and yeah, it's absolutely massive and, and swallowing star systems. It's a big threat and uh, yeah i'm i'm curious with this whole you know is there an intelligence behind it or something like that that's a kind of scary thought so so were there any final thoughts or anything that we haven't mentioned so far with regards to this episode
0: no i think the only thing i would mention is just seeing Navarre being represented at the table with the mm-hmm. federation and referred to as you know federation and non-federation members or worlds you know working together so I enjoyed that little update of what's happening with Navarre.
1: Yeah. And great to see President Torina again. So we knew she'd be in this season, but uh, great to see her, like you say, at the table. That was fun for sure.
0: And if and because we got a trailer earlier, a couple months ago, we're not talking about the Ferengi captain because we've all got that out of our system, but that's when we saw this <laughs> Ferengi captain. So. Oh yeah. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yep, there's the Ferengi. <laughs> But yeah, um, I thought it was a really good episode. There wasn't a lot of big story. I mean, the story basically is this anomaly and book having to go in and get the data and bring it back. And they're trying to figure out what the anomaly is. But there was a lot of those good character moments. So this is very much a character moment episode. So, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons we said, I mean, I related to a lot of this and what Tilly's going through, what book's going through, what everybody's pretty much going through, but I relate to it in my own way. Of course, I haven't been propelled into the future and having to deal with these things, but we all deal with that that loss. And sometimes there's an obsession with the loss and you have to get over it. So yeah, I mean, I'd give this episode
1: four out of five waves made by Burnham and Tilly's hands. Nice. Yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. It's kind of Nice to get like an idea of the scope of the issue of, of what's going on throughout the season. But more than that, the, the personal journeys that the characters are on, I think play such a huge part, but also the task facing the Federation and non-Federation members alike, like they say, I really got vibes of, again, dealing with a worldwide crisis like a global pandemic when the president of the federation is, is saying that we need to all come together to face this threat and put aside differences and all of this stuff that was really echoing through my head and of course you know on the minds of the people writing the season as they were doing so and as they were shooting the season and making the season dealing with all of this stuff so you know Obviously that really colors what goes in and and what we get out of it as an audience as well. So yeah, this, this episode really spoke to me, very much enjoyed it. Lots of setup for journeys to come, which I appreciate. So yeah, I'm going to have to give this one, I'd say four out of five heart to heart talks with the new ship's counselor.
0: Oh, I want to sit in on those. (laughs) (laughs) I love Cobra. Yeah, that's great. You know, I was just thinking how I typically watch these in the morning when everybody leaves for school and work. So I'm uninterrupted. Well, it was Thanksgiving Day when this episode dropped. So everybody's home. And so I got up early to watch it. But my wife was up and she's preparing the turkey early and she's making all this sound with the aluminum foil as she's covering it. and I'm just like I have to pause rewind cuz I miss cuz it's like the kitchen and the family room were kind of you know big one area and then my daughter comes down and they're all talking I'm like eh. but anyway <laughs> the funny part about this is then my wife kind of is somewhat paying attention as I'm watching I told her we'll watch it together again later where she can really sit down and watch it but she walked by when the whole gravitational thing happened. They all like fly out of their seats and float on the bridge. Mm -hmm. And she walks by and she's like, they still haven't figured out to use seatbelts yet. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's a Star Trek thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 We didn't really talk about that scene. And when we were watching it, I said to my wife, Nikki, it was like, oh man, that looks like it would have been a lot of fun to shoot. And then I realized, Actually, that'd probably be a real pain in the butt to shoot, like being trussed up in these harnesses and, you know, everybody being lifted at the same time, having to deliver dialogue and crashing down to the ground. But like, yeah. that's probably actually a real pain in the butt. <laughs> that was probably a whole day just coordinating
0: oh. all that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. If not
1: more, maybe. ooh, I can't yeah. imagine. ah. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so please reach out to us positivelytrek at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at positivelytrek. Bruce, where can people find you to talk about this episode? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex.
0: And then I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast and Literary Treks podcast.
1: Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, and on YouTube.com slash Productions. Doing the live show every weekend, uh, usually on Saturdays, talking about the episodes, so join us there. Everybody have an amazing week until we talk to you again. But until then, as always, stay positive.